This morning, uh, Tim, there's a transition between uh, series, sermon series, and so Tim asked me to talk about freedom. I don't know why. I think something's happening on Tuesday that we celebrate, although Paul says he's, he's not patriotic. He doesn't celebrate holidays. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I want to dig into that a little bit more. That's interesting. Um, but when, when you think about the word freedom, I mean, it's something that's ingrained in us as Americans is freedom. Um, who, whoever it is in our country, freedom is something that we hold high. And when, when I think about freedom, and I also want to hear what you think about when you think about freedom, but my picture, and I was, I was talking with the youth group this morning, the Sunday school class this morning on, like, freedom. What, what do you picture? So I picture sitting on my front porch, um, an ice-cold lemonade or Coca-Cola. Now, not Coca-Cola in a can, Coca-Cola in a glass bottle, because it's better that way. 75 degrees, roughly, nice breeze. The kids are quietly playing or gone to grandma's, <laughs> one of the two. Quietly playing is usually better, because I'm just like, they're such good kids. Um, sitting with my wife and talking or her rubbing my shoulders. One of the two. Uh, just enjoying birds, you know, just that, that picture, freedom, just sitting there, enjoying life, not a care in the world, nothing to do, freedom. Um, what do you, I'm going to put you all on the spot, what do you picture when, when you picture freedom? And it can be completely different and probably much more patriotic or Christian than what I just said. Um, what do you picture or think about, or what's something that comes to your mind when you think about freedom? Heaven. Heaven. Christian answer. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what else do you think about when you think about freedom? Mm-hmm. Yes. There's a cost to freedom. Hey, nice tie, Jay. An American flag tie. There's a cost to freedom. Cost Jesus its life. Comes with responsibility. Yep. Man, my picture of freedom is pretty lame <laughs> after hearing all this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most of us in this room, unless lived in another country, um, as far as government, you know, government goes, and obviously there's issues with every government, but yeah, I, when I was thinking about this, trying to picture what it would be like to live in, like, North Korea, you know, or something like that. Well, we can't even picture because we don't even know really what goes on in there. Dennis Rodman does, but we don't. Yeah. 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 
lack of freedom. Yeah. Slavery. So there's, um, there's a song. It's a, a popular wedding song. It's like one of those songs that comes towards the end of the night when everybody's just wanting to like stand around and sing out loud. It's called um, Chicken Fried. I, I actually only ever hear it at weddings. Uh, you all know that song, Chicken Fried? All right. It's been stuck in my head like for four days uh, because of, I can't, no, I'm not going to sing it. Um, yeah, if you know it, you'll sing it in your head. Maybe, maybe I'll bust out in the second, second verse here. So um, it's, it's just a really great song. It says, I thank God for my life and for the stars and stripes. May freedom forever fly, let it ring. Salute the ones who died and the ones that gave their lives so that we don't have to sacrifice all the things we love. Very patriotic. And then he gets into, and maybe this is why my picture is like sitting on the front porch with a a lemonade. He says that we don't have to sacrifice all the things we love. Like our chicken fried, cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and the radio up. Well, I've seen the sunrise, seen the love in a woman's eyes, feel the touch of a precious child, and know a mother's love. Basically, in this country that we live, we have freedom to just be free. To, and I mean, you know that, the, the radio up, you know, really nice day, windows down, radio up, just that, that feeling of freedom, um, sitting and enjoying a sunrise and just thinking about all the people around the world that just don't have the simple freedom to just enjoy life because of worry. It's a picture of freedom, and I wouldn't trade it for anything, and I'm thankful for it. But as I'm reading the Bible and reading the verses that Tim uh, laid out for me to study, I, I don't see anything in there or in the New Testament in general that talks about freedom being dependent on external circumstances. Um, Jesus, Paul, Peter um, lived under oppressive circumstances. Paul, and one of the verses that I'm going to read, lived under Nero's reign of persecution of Christians. Yet we don't see them actively talking about government and, you know, we need to we need to pick it. We need to overcome this oppression. We need to stand against. And again, I, I think what we have here in the United States is a picture of what God wants in ways for humanity, freedom from worry and fear and anxiety that our lives are going to be taken. Um, but when I read the scriptures, it does not talk about that type of freedom. It talks about a freedom that's internal despite your circumstances. Because all over the world and throughout time, people have read the scriptures. And if scripture talked about freedom from government or oppression, think about the people in those oppressive countries reading that. How would they feel? What the Bible talks about is no matter your circumstances, God gives you internal freedom through Jesus Christ. It's not external, it's internal. Peter says this, and he was under Uh, oppressive governmental authorities. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors. And then he says this, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, 
but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And then Paul says this in Romans, let every person be subject. Now this is Nero that is reigning at this point when he's talking about this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. I really don't know how to, that's, that's a whole other sermon, and I don't know how to wrestle through that. So what do you say about Nazi Germany? You know, I, I think we, we need to go against evil or ISIS or stuff like that, but then I read the scripture and it says to not resist authority. Um, I'm not going to get into that today because I have no clue how to reconcile those things in my mind, but all I do know is that government does not control our freedom. Christ does, and it's internal. And Paul can be in a prison and say, I'm free. He can be on death row and say, I am free because of Christ. has nothing to do with those around me. It all has to do with what Christ did. And in Romans chapter 6, so you can turn there, that's going to be, we're just going to read through the entire chapter. I tried to pick in... um, pick out the verses that talk about freedom, um, but it's all over chapter 6, so we're just going to read through the whole thing. So if you have uh, your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6. And it might, can we get Romans? Sorry, Romans chapter 6. Cool. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So keep that in the back of your mind right there. That's the the freedom that we have, set free from sin. We're no longer enslaved to it. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, oops, sorry, I think that's the NIV. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace." 
What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you were once slaves to sin. You who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, so there it is again, freedom from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were once presented, presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For you are slaves of sin, you are free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin, a third time, freedom from sin, and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. And then, you know, the verse that maybe many of us uh, heard and that turned us to Jesus Christ says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So freedom, biblically, is freedom from the captivity of sin. Um, you all heard of Plato, famous philosopher from, not the stuff that you guys play with, I'm sure, um, the, the f- philosopher from, from long ago. Have you ever heard of the allegory of the cave? Anybody? Allegory of the cave? Okay, a couple of you. So if I butcher this, you will know. But everybody else will be like, oh, you're brilliant. Um, I forgot to, like, look it up to make sure that I have my facts accurate. But anyway, the allegory of the cave uh, with Plato is pretty brilliant. So basically what it is is there's this wall. Don't look here. Look at the wall. (laughs) So (laughs) obviously you're all looking there because you saw where I pointed. Whatever, people. So there's this wall, right? And there's these prisoners, and they're, they're chained looking at this wall, and they've been there their entire life. And behind them, far back, and pretend that light is, is this fire that's just continually burning. And in front of the fire is this pathway. So they're chained here, and they know nothing but this wall. And with that fire burning behind them in the pathway, they constantly see things passing by. So they might see people passing by and see their shadows, And they'll see maybe animals or a wagon or a cart or these things passing by. And they see this wall and they think that's reality. But then the prison guard comes and takes the chains off. And then they turn around and they realize that this isn't reality. These were just shadows of truth. And then they go out and they see all that the world has to offer. And I think that's a a beautiful um, and accurate picture of what Christ has done for us. Because of the fall, we're born into sin, and it's all we know from a young age. But then through Jesus Christ, we are set free. Basically, we are chained from birth, and we see what we think is reality, but it's really not. And Christ comes, and he sets us free. And we can turn around, and we can look, and we can see what's out there. The beauty of existence in God. We are, in Jesus Christ, set free 
from sin. But I believe so many of us, if not all of us, still sit there with our sin thinking this is reality. But the chains are not on our wrists. We, we have the ability in Christ to turn around and say, wow, this is what Christ has to offer. But we're sitting there and saying, well, I'm captive. I'm captive to my habits. I can't get free. I'm captive to my addictions. I'm captive to my ways of thinking. I'm captive to doubt, to fear, to anxiety. I hear about that little boy that... You can't can't think about that without crying, right? Uh, um, Especially if you're a parent, you know, and you just think, man, if that... And maybe with some of you it has, like, man, if that happened to me, and the heartbreak... You know, thinking about my kids, and you know, you just gotta, you just gotta think. God is good, even in the midst of that. You know, some of us might be captive um, to anxiety, right? Or, or thinking that you're captive um, to your circumstances, to your job. Maybe you're in a marriage and you feel like you're captive in your marriage and you can't get out. And what you're doing, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, he has come and he has unlocked those chains. And he's behind you, the shepherd's voice, saying, come out and see what I have to offer. And as we were singing this morning, I closed my eyes and I started praying. And God gave me this picture that some of us this morning in this room are just sitting, thinking we are bound. You feel like you're captive and you're in a prison, and you can't get out. But the truth and the reality is that Jesus has come, and he's unlocked those chains through the cross. And we can get up, and we can walk out, and we are free. But we act as if those shadows are the reality, and that's all there is. But if we look down, there are no chains on our feet or on our wrists. We are free, no matter the circumstances, because of Jesus Christ. And I don't know, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist. You know, I don't know what it's going to take for some of us to realize that, but I know for me, um, it's a life of confession and humility. Right? The Bible says that God does not want sacrifice, but a humble and contrite heart. The Bible also says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We're not perfect. Those things that I mentioned, habits, addictions, ways of thinking, doubts, fears, anxiety, like, it's just not, it's not going to go away. It's external, a lot of that stuff. It's not going to completely, and maybe it will, but for the most part, it's not going to completely go away. And what happens, as Tim, you know, did that a couple weeks ago, that cycle of, like, you know, we sin, and then we try, I forget the exact cycle, but we sin, and then we try to get better, and then as we start to get better, we become prideful, and then when we become prideful, we fall, and then we get shame and doubt, and then the cycle just goes over and over again. He said the one way out is confession. I've been really uh, struggling recently. 
Carrie's always praised me for my ability to make breakfast. Like, I go down, I make breakfast, and the whole house has a great morning. Well, since Ivy began to talk, I've been really struggling with breakfast. You can see probably where I'm getting at. I'm there and I'm cooking, and I have Abby and Oliver and Ivy all asking me for a bunch of things. I haven't had my coffee yet. It's still morning, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I've been getting really, really angry with this beautiful thing called cooking breakfast for my family. And it used to be a wonderful thing, and and now it's become a huge struggle. And I've gotten into this pattern, and Carrie and I have been talking through it, of now every single time I cook breakfast, I am anxious and, and getting angry, and even if nothing's happening, it's just become habitual of, oh, I'm cooking breakfast, the house is going to start going crazy, and, and I'm going to go crazy, and I'm going to burn the bacon. And what's been, and this is such a small, trivial example, but what's been helping me is every time I get into those patterns, confession. Anytime I get into those habitual patterns, whether it's that or something else, confession. Lord, I'm seeing this in my life, and and I am not chained by this, confession. When you're having that thought towards your spouse, confession. Not with your spouse. Hey, I'm thinking this about you right now because you're really annoying. Not that kind of confession. Just to God, Lord, this is one of those patterns that I'm not bound by. Fear. Lord, this is one of those patterns that I'm no longer bound by. Lord, set me free. Set me free. Because what happens is I think we start to struggle and then we just shame ourselves. Ah, why can't I get over this? And I've started to realize a lot of these things are going to be with me for my entire life. And right when they hit, I need to confess. James talks about temptation that leads to sin. Temptation is not sin. Giving in to temptation is sin. So when we are tempted, not just be like, oh, here it is again, but Lord, this is temptation which leads to sin. Please help me out of this. Biblical freedom. And as we know, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we read that verse, we think about the future. Um, Paul you recently talked about, right, when we were all gathered together that you used to think about everything was in the future, but God had something for you now. Is that what you shared recently? Some, something very much like that. So I was, I was thinking on that about how God in Christ Jesus has life for us now. But sin creeps in, and all it does is rob us of life. John 10.10 says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then Psalm 32 verse 3 says this, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. The only thing that sin does is destroy. It just gets in there and it destroys. And we know the verses of the acts of the sinful nature. Lust, envy, 
drunkenness, rage. It just gets in there slightly at first, and it just begins to chip away. And then that sin gives way to more sin, and more sin, and more sin. Um, just recently, I was out to uh, a play with my, my family, and I saw a friend of mine from, you know, the old church, and her and her husband were the example of biblical Christian marriage and joy and life. I mean, every time I saw them, they were just exuding with life. I wanted my marriage to be like their marriage. So I haven't seen uh, them for about five years, but I saw the, the wife. She was standing in line for something at this play. I was like, oh my goodness, it's so good to see you. And I won't say names, but I said, where's your husband? And she looks at me and goes, he had an affair and divorced me. I was like, like my, my heart sank. I was devastated. Like, how could this happen? And as I've been thinking about it, and I've been praying about it, I know that it most likely was, you know, he let this little bit of sin in. And then he let in a little bit more. And then he let in a little bit more, and a little bit more, and it grew and grew and grew to where he justified adultery. And he left his family behind. And they're devastated. That is the only thing that sin does. It destroys. It destroys our lives, destroys our families, destroys our marriages, destroys our church, destroys our communities. It just seeks to destroy. And we sit there and we say, this is all there is. This is all I got. And slowly, many of you may be sitting here this morning, our lives are just wasting away. And we think there's no control, nothing to do. But God has set us free. Whether we're young, middle-aged, older, wise adult, God has set us free. We don't have to be bound. Now, the amazing part in all of this that kind of um, I've never really even thought about is that Christ has not set us free so that we can just think about ourselves. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What freedom allows us to do is it allows us to stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about others. If I'm stuck in sin, all I'm thinking about are my needs, my wants, my comforts, my desires. But Christ is trying to break us free from just thinking about ourselves all the time so that we can start loving those around us. If we're stuck in deep sin, we cannot love. Society hammers home that it's all about us. Even my picture of freedom, it's all about me. I don't want the kids bothering me. I want my shoulders rubbed. I want a nice breeze. Like, it's all about me. But Jesus says, no, it's, or Paul in Galatians says, no, it's not, it's not about us. We've been set free so that we can love, so that we can have the heart of God and serve and love one another. And then that's, 
true freedom because when we start to put aside all of our wants and desires and we just give all of that up, there's nothing that can be taken from us. Our 401k, our house, our family, you know, whatever we have that we hold on tightly to, if we just say, you know what, it's not about me, it's about others, we become completely free. When you have nothing to lose, what do you worry about? When it's no longer about my preferences, desires, my life goals, my agenda. When it's no longer about me, I have nothing to lose because I've already given it all away. And that's countercultural. Freedom through loving and serving others is what God has called us to. So I say the one thing here is like, okay, Christ has set us free. It's like, oh, great. But what's he set us free to? God always takes something that's distorted and brings it to what he wants it to be. Like sin is just a perversion of what God wants. Sin is a perversion of good. And what God wants, he wants us to put aside our desires so we can love and serve others. Paul talks about, I think it's in Ephesians, where he says, no longer steal, but now use your hands to do good. So same here is no longer just be thinking about your selfish desires and wants, but put that aside to serve and love others. And that's where true freedom is. And as I'm, I'm studying this, so I, I went out on Thursday night and made a little campfire uh, just by myself and was trying to like pray through and study through my sermon a little bit. And that's when God pressed on me this thought of, you've been set free to love and serve others. So then the, the fire's going, and I go inside. It's probably like 10.30. Carrie's snuggled up on the couch under a blanket watching TV. I lay on the floor, get all nice and cozy, and I'm watching TV as well. And Carrie says to me, this is perfect timing for the sermon. Carrie says, is the fire still going? But yeah, can you make me a s'more? <laughs> if I, if God, yeah, if God did not put that on my head, I would have been like, ah, no, I'm comfortable. But it was like, no, you've been set free so that you can love and serve others. So I just said, sure, I'll go out and make you a s'more. And it's not in like, ah, I'll go out and make you. It's, it's in joy. Yes, I will serve you. Yes, I will love you. And think about all the things that I talked about, the issues that go on. How much of that would change if your main motivation was, yes, I will serve you. Yes, I will love you. Yes, I will be kind to you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, it's, it's not about me, it's about you. How much of our lives would go so much better if we said, it's not about me, it's about you and how I can love you? So that's freedom. We do have wonderful freedom within this country. And again, I would not trade it for anything. But true freedom happens in here. And when our heart is set free to live for God, then no matter the circumstances, we are truly free. Lord, we... Um, it's, it's hard, I think, for us as Americans... Um, to completely grasp biblical freedom. Um, Lord, because we don't have uh, a lot of the struggles 
that others around the world have. But I believe that a Christian under oppression um, most likely understands freedom so much more um, than we could ever grasp. But I, I, I pray and I hope um, that we can get a taste of that as well. Um, we, have, we have so much. We have so much more than we could ever need. And um, because of that, I think our vision uh, is a little bit cloudy. Um, Lord, but I help I pray that you um, help us and that you break through and show us what true biblical freedom looks like, Lord. And then that will start to impact our relationships and our friendships and our church and the way that we interact with our kids, um, our spouses, our boss, our coworkers, even just the way that we talk about our government. Lord, that we will live as free people, set free by you and nothing else. In your son's name we pray. Amen.